Welcome to the Cops and Writers Podcast. On this show, you will learn how to write the best crime-related novel or screenplay possible. Your host, Sergeant Patrick O'Donnell, worked the streets in one of the nation's largest police departments for over 25 years. Ride along with O'Donnell and his expert guests as they help you navigate the oftentimes confusing and misunderstood world of law enforcement. O'Donnell and his guests on this show do not represent any law enforcement agency. The content of this show is not meant to be legal advice. You think you need a lawyer? You probably do. Hey, Cops and Writers. Thanks for being here with us today for another episode of the Cops and Writers podcast. I'm Patrick O'Donnell, and I will be your host for today's show. This show is listener-supported, so thank you to all of you who keep this show going. I would especially like to thank those of you who are patrons of the show, most notably Francis Sheldrick, Kathleen Donnelly, Fran Cross, Catherine Kovacic, Richard Tolles, Ryan Ta, and Carl Vondero. Your generosity helps pay for the software, equipment, and my time producing this show. Yes, you too can become a patron for less than a cup of coffee or a pint of Guinness. Just go over to patreon.com forward slash cops and writers. I would also like to thank all of you who have purchased my books in the Cops and Writers series available on Amazon. Today on the show, we're traveling to Romania, speaking to USA Today best selling author Melinda Colt. Melinda Colt is an award winning and best selling author of thrillers, suspense, and mystery novels. While she's a Juris Doctor and professional target shooter, she worked as a journalist before she became a full-time author and owns a graphic design business. Melinda indulges her romantic side by writing romance novels under the pen name Melinda de Ross. Please enjoy this wide-ranging and heartwarming interview with Melinda Colt. Melinda Colt, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks so much for inviting me. Absolutely. All the way from Romania. You are my first guest from Romania. I've gone across the pond. I've gone, I think, Australia, New Zealand, um, England, Ireland. I want, I would like to speak to somebody in Germany. I'd love to interview uh, somebody that's in the Polizei. I think that would be a ton of fun. So if anybody's listening that's in the Polizei, please hit me up. I, I want to talk to you. So, yeah, you are my first Romanian um, guest. This is awesome. I absolutely love it. So you have a law degree. You were a journalist. You're a professional target shooter. We will talk about that later. You're a graphic designer and you're an award-winning USA Today best-selling author with two pen names writing in two very different genres. Is there anything else you'd like to do or accomplish? What's next on the list? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, when you're a writer, the sky's the limit. <laughs> So uh, I think I have my hands pretty full right now. Um, I'm working on my two new series. Uh, we'll talk about those later. And uh, on the short term, I'm thinking um, I'm going to focus on these two new series. And in the long term, um, like I said, the sky's the limit. I'm hoping to see my uh, books uh made into movies like every author ever absolutely uh yeah get an agent um and hopefully to become a full-time author right now i'm kind of just part-time author i am the other half of my time goes into the graphic design business so this is kind of my next uh, goal to become a full-time author 
Very good. Well, let's start at the beginning. You live in Romania presently. Were you born and raised in uh, Romania? Yes. Um, I was born in a small town in the south of Romania. And uh, now I live in a big city um, in the west of Romania, in Timisoara. Um, it's a very nice uh, multicultural city. It's full of tourists. Um, it's actually, uh, this year, it's the European cultural capital. So um, it's a very, very nice city. It's worth visiting. Okay. So what, what do you like better? Do you like living in the country or do you like living in the city? No, I'm a city girl oh. all the way. <laughs> no, I, I like visiting the countryside, but sure. no place where there's there isn't delivery or you know, kind of food delivery and Yeah, you like get that. spoiled, don't you, right? <laughs> yes, yes, you do. And you know, that's why I love the, the big city. I don't like to be in the crowds mm. a lot, but usually um I prefer to be close to close to stuff. Okay. I, I totally understand that. I've lived in both and as I get older, I I like the conveniences of a big city, yeah. right? You know, exactly. it's like yes. the grocery store is five minutes away. You know, exactly. everything is like five minutes away for the most part. I don't want to drive an, a half an hour or 45 minutes to get a gallon of milk. Yeah. So, or if you have a medical emergency, right. you live, I don't know, in a remote place, then that, that's really, that can go really bad. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, as as you get older, and that's me, things start falling apart. And so that, that's <laughs> Oh, important. I'm getting older, too. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. All right. So did you live in Romania when it was under communist rule? Um, A bit. So I was three years old. I know old you're very young. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not that young. I'm 37. Um, I was three when uh, the revolution, we just refer to it as the revolution, yeah. um, when the Ceausescu regime uh, fell. Um, my dad was actually uh, an active participant in the revolution. Oh, okay. And um, obviously, I don't remember a lot because I was, I was very little. What I do remember is that uh, at nighttime, they would cut off the electricity. And I have this vivid memory of uh, winter nights when my, my dad had uh, improvised a, a terracotta heater so he could warm my mom and I. And he would carry wood um, up four flights of stairs because we had no elevator. Yeah. And he was uh, up all night trying to, you know, keep us warm. And wow. um yeah, that was that was very rough. I mean, it had to be to determine a whole country to, uh, you know, go out in the streets and uh, do something about it. Um, also, food, um, as far as I remember, food was, I don't know, sparse, let's just say. We yeah. didn't have a lot of it. Yeah. But uh, that's kind of what I remember. That's about it. So your dad was a revolutionary. That's cool. Yeah. That's very cool. It wasn't. It wasn't really cool at the time because right. uh, it was dangerous, and my mom uh, didn't know, didn't have any news from him for three weeks. That I, I remember they were talking about when I was a kid. Yeah. But uh, in the end, uh, it all turned out okay. Absolutely! Wow, that's amazing. So, what was your childhood like? You know, you've done so many different things. It seems like you have so many different interests. You know, who are your influences? 
Ah, oh, my childhood was uh, really interesting. Okay. Um, so my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and uh, my dad was a target shooting coach. Um, he was gone a lot on competitions uh, all over the country, sometimes outside the country. Um, and um, I was, I kind of grew up on the shooting range. Oh, so, cool. Uh, okay. I grew up, yeah, I grew up like that. Um, he taught shooting. Shooting is an Olympic sport. Right. So, you know, we were... Um, <clears throat> talking earlier about uh, target shooting uh, and he was one of the best coaches in the country at that uh, at that moment in time okay um he was also a big uh, lover of books um, mm. i grew up among books we had walls covered in books in our house and my mom taught me how to read when i was four. Oh, wow then, okay yeah, ever since then, books have been my number one passion. They they still are. Um, so uh, the, this and my dad again was uh, he was very artistic. Uh, he knew how to paint. I still have some paintings that okay. uh, he painted. Um, he played the guitar. He sang. He knew how to do everything. And that was really cool because yeah. as I grew up. Um, he wanted me to know how to do everything, how to be very self-sufficient. And uh, when I was 12, my parents split up and I I was left with my dad. And that was also really interesting because uh, he was a very cool dad. He was, <laughs> you know, he was very strict. He yeah. expected me to be a straight-A student all the time. Most of the time, I actually made that. But um, he was also cool. He was a modern kind of parent and uh, very creative. So yeah. I was never bored. I was never bored. I always uh, learned something new. That that was really educational, I would say. Yeah, getting back to the shooting because that kind of triggered sure. my uh, <laughs> my interest. <laughs> you know, what kind of uh, guns were you using? So uh, my dad uh, was a pistol um, mm. coach. Uh, there were, you know, there are several uh, types of guns that are used uh, in shooting, and he was a pistol coach. We used air guns, and we used what we call sport pistols, which is basically small uh, handguns, firearms, yeah. small firearms. Like twenty-two caliber, I'm guessing. Or smaller? Uh, no, smaller than that. Oh. So we used. Uh, competitional weapons not okay. uh, anything that you would find on the street so right. um yeah if i were to name some brands that, of pistols that we use you might probably not uh, heard of them because they're stri strictly used in uh, competitions yeah interesting very interesting did you ever try biathlon did you ever get into that no no um the highest i got in my shooting career was to be a national champion well that's that's good times. wow that's amazing uh, yeah <laughs> not not that not that much my dad had higher hopes but um <laughs> you know i i found that this wasn't a career that you could actually you know make money out of or make okay. a living sure so yeah, it was a, a sport. It wasn't a great sport. It taught me a lot of discipline. Mm. It uh, it taught me a lot of things. You know, um, 
but uh, the highest I got was to be a national champion a few years in a row, both uh, on individual level and with my team. Oh, that's great. That's great. Now, did you, did he teach you how to play the guitar? As he well? tried. It didn't stick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, he tried. No, I just, I'm tone deaf now. Um, sadly, I don't have uh, a talent for that in any singing and stuff like that. No. <laughs> okay. Now, you know, let's start with a law degree. Why did you go after a degree in law? We'll be right back. Today's episode is sponsored by the thrilling audiobook Avenging Adam, book one in the FBI K-9 thriller series written by author Jody Burnett. Sparks fly between hotshot FBI agent Rick Sanchez and no-nonsense FBI K-9 handler Kendra Dean as they chase a ruthless serial killer. Witness an electrifying blend of suspense, romance, and redemption, where internal conflicts challenge our heroes as much as their target does. Will they catch the killer before it's too late? Grab Avenging Adam now. It's more than a story. It's an experience. Get 50% off the Avenging Adam audiobook at jody-burnett.com forward slash cops and writers. Uh, well, I, uh, I studied law and public administration. That's okay. the description of my university degree. Um, I didn't want to be a lawyer, but um, at that time, I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I figured I might have more options with this, you know, sure. law and public administration. Um, there was, you know, we had a good education system, but um, it didn't have any programs to help students figure out what they wanted to do, mm. you know, to prepare them for real life. So I had excellent teachers and they were all, all very good at their respective disciplines, but we lacked perspective. At least I did. So uh, that's why I kind of ended up fumbling a lot in my life until I figured out I was uh, a creative person and that I wanted to be a writer. It took uh, it took a while. But, okay. you know, I, I look at these things as um, bricks in the building of my uh, life experience. Absolutely. It it makes you you, right? It, you wouldn't yeah. be you if you didn't go through all that stuff. And yeah, well, I, that's true. I did similar, you know, stuff in my life. You know, I, I tried different stuff and I worked different jobs and they all kind of helped me out. You know, when I ultimately became a police officer, you know, you wouldn't think that selling cars or being a bartender would help you, but it really did. You'd learn how to talk to people. Yeah, everything contributes. Yes, and also, you know, everything contributes uh, in your writing career. Oh, absolutely. It- it makes you, you know, knowing even a bit about everything, it's uh, it's priceless. It it really is. It truly is. So, yeah, I was Googling Romanian laws, and I found some very interesting <laughs> okay. ones over there. It said, you can't have any alcohol and drive a car. Zero. That is correct. Yes. Wow. So, does <laughs> Uber is flourishing, or is there good public transportation, or... Um, Uber is flourishing, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the public transportation is good in the big cities. And it's decent in the big cities. Okay. Uh, you know, not everyone abides by the law because, you know. But right. that is the law. Technically, you cannot have any alcohol and drive a car. Wow. Yeah, that that's amazing. You know, I know there's some countries, if you get arrested for drunk driving, they'll take your car. 
Well, uh, I think this is what they should do here too, or take your uh, driver's license. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, you must be 18 here. You could start learning when you're 15, which is kind of young. <laughs> it, it is, you know, I think it's kind of young. I think even 18 is kind of young because it is. Uh, a lot of, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So this is one I found a little bit different and, you know, the age of sexual consent is 16. It used to be 14, which I think is like crazy young. But people can get married at 16. Can people get married at 16? I, th- I thought I saw something like that. Um, they can get married at 16 only in some special circumstances and only if they have the permission of their uh, parents or legal guardians. God, but I can't... <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen all that often, right. as you think. I had no clue whatsoever what life was when I was 16 years old. I can't even imagine that kind of responsibility. Oh, my God. So yeah, the, I... the legal drinking age is 18, and you can drink in public. That's fun. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's that's also correct. Um, you know, uh, in Romania, as uh, once you're 18 years old, you're basically considered an adult. So you can do um, everything, anything that an adult is allowed to do legally. Right. Yeah. It used to be that way over here. When I was 18 years old, the drinking age was 18. And then they slowly raised it up to 21. Very good. They did that. that very good. I wish we'd do that. Oh, really? Here. Yep. <laughs> Why is that? Because, like you said, I don't think at 18 you really know what the hell you're doing. And <laughs> you shouldn't have, uh, you know, uh, you shouldn't be drinking and you shouldn't be driving and you shouldn't be getting married so young, yeah. if you ask me. <laughs> that, that is true. That is true. So, yeah. journalism. How did that happen? And how long were you a journalist? Uh, wow. So that happened. It started in high school. Okay. Um, I was 18. You know, I was in my last year of high school. And you can also start working when you're 18 here, working legally. Right. And uh, I uh, I got a job at the local newspaper. My dad was also working part-time there. My dad was like, he did kind of everything. He had all the careers you can imagine. So I kind of took after him. And um, I cannot say, you know, I did uh, serious journalism, like uh, investigative journalism or anything like that. No, it was uh, a small town and uh, small newspapers. Uh, There wasn't anything really interesting that was going on at the time <laughs> okay <laughs> which was you know which was it, it was for the best because it was a, a nice way for me to enter the workforce um uh, i think at first uh, i uh, i wrote all sorts of things i at first i started writing some satires some pamphlets some kind of funny stuff like that uh entertainment uh whatsoever um then i i covered the sports page for a bit uh, then I wrote about local news, um, kind of odd odd jobs. So uh, I cannot exactly say that I had a, a glowing career as a journalist. <laughs> and the, the funny thing is, you know, all the time, this while that I was writing these things, it still didn't cross my mind. And I still didn't realize that I wanted to write fiction and I wanted to, to become an author. That hit years later. But like I said, it helps. Sure. Now, I was, I'm thinking to myself, you know, maybe you got some good writing experience. So you're a writer now, you're an author. Do you think that helped you out quite a bit? 
Um, I think so, yes. Although, you know, writing nonfiction, basically, it's kind of a different thing altogether. But uh, definitely, yeah, I think all the, the things that I've done have helped me uh, become a better writer, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, that's what we all hope for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, at least I'm, uh, I'm good enough to realize that I have a long way to learn and a long way to go. Sure. I guess sure. That's, a, that's a good uh, a good start i gotcha you know i was going to talk a little more about the target shooting which I, i'm fascinated with i i think it's neat <laughs> i did a ton of it when i was a kid in a teenager I, both with guns and uh air guns and uh bow and arrow i really liked uh bow and arrow oh, that's that's cool i tried it once and it was i stopped at it but uh, the i wasn't uh, you know the guy didn't explain to me very well what i had to do oh okay okay so yeah it's completely different you know from uh, shooting a gun yeah now what are the gun laws like in romania can you have a gun or what does that look like uh no they're actually very strict so in order to uh, get a gun to keep it at home you have to get a special permit from you know and from the police and stuff like that mm -hmm. and i don't think you're allowed at all under any circumstances to uh, carry a gun on the street as a civilian okay, okay. i don't know the police officers obviously are uh, are different but civilians no they are not allowed to carry guns yeah i did notice that you know romanian police officers are armed they've got long guns and they've got pistols Yes. So, yeah, that's interesting. So when you go to a shooting range, you know, it's kept there. The guns are kept there. I imagine you can't yes. take them with you. Okay. No, no, you cannot take them with you. Uh, you can rent them from that uh, okay. shooting range. Yeah. You rent them and that's it. But you cannot own a gun legally. Okay. I assume, is hunting big in Romania? I mean, can you have like a shotgun or something like that for hunting? I don't know, to be perfectly honest. Okay. I don't think so. Um, I've never been into hunting. I've never hunted anything. Mm. Uh, my only shooting was done toward paper targets. Yes. So I, I'm not, I don't, I don't know about this. Okay. So do you still shoot for fun? I mean, you were, you did it professionally. You, you won awards and you know, all that kind of stuff. Do you just go sometimes just for the fun of it? I plan to, I haven't been, um, in a shooting range for a decade, I think. And okay. I really plan to. I want to do it. Uh, I actually, you know, uh, made plans with my husband a ton of times to go and shoot for fun. But so far, it hasn't happened. Okay. It's definitely something that we plan to do. Right, right. Now, does your husband sleep with one eye open? Is he a little bit worried because you're <laughs> such a good shot? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, no. He, he can handle. Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Now, do you think that your shooting shooting experiences helped you in your thriller books and do you incorporate some of this into your stories yes definitely i think they helped um i haven't written many scenes uh, you know many shooting scenes so mm -hmm. far but uh, when i will um uh, i definitely think this will come in handy and it will uh, you know help me write uh, realistic scenes absolutely um I did have a romance novel where the heroine was um, a target shooting coach, but oh, okay. uh, that was, uh, yeah, that was published like a decade ago and now it's no longer available because uh, it was one of my earlier works mm. that are, 
are not not available anymore right now. <laughs> we all have those, <laughs> yes. Yeah, but you know, I got all of them published. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Why wouldn't you? Oh my! Yeah. So let's switch gears I don't know here. Better. <laughs> let's switch gears here a little bit. You own a graphic design studio. How did that happen? And I'm going to guess that you create your own book covers. I do create my own book covers, yes. Um, graphic design studio, that's a fancy word for uh, just me being a freelance graphic designer. <laughs> that's a graphic design studio in my yeah. book, damn it. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> I'm going to put that on my website. You know? I think you should. <laughs> so um, that happened when I uh, first published uh, my book. I was... Uh, too broke to afford a graphic designer mm. and uh, my husband who uh, knows a lot about graphic design decided that we can make a cover together so we worked on my cover and in the process I discovered that I really loved to uh, do graphic design and over the years um, I started you know at first, I started doing my own covers, and uh, over the years, I started I started doing covers for other authors. Yeah, and it kind of grew into a business, and uh, right now, it's you know kind of a pretty good business. I love it. It's so if somebody wants uh, to get a cover from you, where do they go for that? Uh, for that, they go to my website, coveredbymelinda.com. Covered by Melinda. And, okay. Uh, Covered by Melinda. Covered. Yes. Okay. Covered by. Covered. Melinda. Yes. I, I like, want to get this. I got you covered. All right. Bye. I'm going to put that in the show notes along with everything else. Oh, thank you. You bet. Because you have great covers. Your your covers are very eye catching. I like your covers, and your I you know, I assume you did your websites as well. You have two uh, like yes. author websites. Those are great. Um, thank you. They're var- again. I, they're- I really enjoy this kind of uh, of uh, graphic design, creative work. I really enjoy it. Yeah, like I said before, they're very eye catching. They fit the genre perfectly. You know, it's like okay, you have you know, like your thriller books. You could look at the cover and it's like okay, yeah, this is like a police thriller. You know, that makes sense. And then you, well, you know the you. the romance ones. It's like okay, yeah, this is romance. You know, it, not that I'm into romance or anything, but yeah, I could <laughs> I could tell and. That's one thing where independent authors kind of miss the mark sometimes. You know, they have a cover yeah. that's near and dear to their heart, or there's something that they really want to put out there, but it doesn't quite fit like what the genre yeah. expectation is or something like that. And then they miss the mark because your book is, you know, people judge your book by the cover. Yes, that's the first thing people do, uh, people see about your book. And, you know, I did my that mistake uh, myself several times, many times. I don't know how many times uh, <laughs> that, you know, I had my heart set on a cover and uh, I was too close to the story and uh, the, the cover didn't sell. Because, you know, the most important thing uh, about the cover is uh, what you said. It needs to convey the genre. That's number one. And a lot of authors want to tell the whole story in the cover. And right. I, I always try to, you know, educate my clients and advise them about this. Look, you know, this is the most important thing. Your cover needs to fit the current trends. It needs needs to stand out uh, among uh, traditionally published uh, books because that's also important. It needs to look professional and, you know, to convey the genre. Right. I think that if you're looking like on Amazon and you see a bunch of, you know, like, 
crime thriller books, you shouldn't be able to tell what who is traditionally published and who is independently published by the book cover. Ideally, that that should be the case. Yes. Um, I've seen lots of, you know, traditional publishers that have kind of um, not so good covers. And I've seen right. covers that are stellar. That, that yep. are, they're gorgeous. So, yeah, the, the market is shifting. And I love that. Yeah. You know, it's, I guess when you're Stephen King or James Patterson, you can put up whatever you want to put up. And yeah, it'll yeah, sell, Yeah, you right? put on your name. Your name takes up, uh, you know, half the cover at least. That's right. It. You can sell anything. <laughs> Well, let's talk books. What came first, romance under the pen name of Melinda de Ross or your crime thrillers under Melinda Colt? Melinda de Ross was first. Okay. Um, that uh, happened about 11 years ago. Um, I was uh, kind of at the crossroads in my career. I wasn't sure, you know, what to do. And, uh, I was, I remember I was, um, you know, sitting around and, uh, my dad, uh, asked me what the hell was wrong. <laughs> and, uh, I said, you know what, what the hell am I going to do with my life? Um, I have no talent. I have no idea what to do and uh, what I want to be when I grow up and hell, I was already grown up <laughs> and <laughs> I still feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And my dad said, I, I remember till this day. He said, you have talent with words. Write. And I Perfect. said, write what? <laughs> Anything. Write whatever you want. Write something. Write a story. So I did. I started writing a story. Um, looking back, it was a horrible story. But uh, <laughs> First books usually are not our best books. So yeah, you got to yes, yes. get that out of your system, right? <laughs> Exactly, yeah. So it was some sort of uh, weird uh, romance with some kind of paranormal goings on. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, of course, I loved it. I mean, at the time, I, I thought it was a masterpiece. Of Every course. writer does. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, I wrote that in Romanian. But uh, since my dad had, uh, he was also a writer. I don't know if I mentioned that among his many talents. And he had some experience in uh, in writing and publishing. So when I uh, I wrote, wrote the story, um, it was called Rendezvous with Hymera. And uh, one uh, careless blogger um, called it Rendezvous with Hymen. Oh. That was <laughs> yeah, that you know was what? a memorable <laughs> that was a memorable <laughs> moment in my career, <laughs> the first one of many. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's funny. So, uh, um, yeah. So then I decided, you know, I was going to uh, write in English because. Uh, I wanted to reach as many readers as possible, and from a strictly a business perspective, uh, that made sense. There are like I don't know, 22 millions of people who speak Romanian, and there are 1.5 billions of people who speak English. So um, <clears throat> um, I uh, translated it into English. Okay. And uh, I decided on the pen name Melinda de Ross because I wanted something that's, you know, short, easy to remember. Um, that kind of sounded, you know, nice. Yeah. 
And uh, the the funniest thing of all is uh, that I actually started, you know, to uh, pitch that novel to uh, some uh, publishers. Yes. And I actually got a contract. Okay. It was from a small publisher, from a small American publisher, but it was, you know, the boost that I needed at that time, the the validation that I needed yeah. to think that I was going to be the next Nora Roberts of the world. Excellent. Yeah. So you you went the traditional route for your first book. You got published. How did that go? Uh well, I, I wouldn't say it was traditional. Uh, it was a small independent, oh, uh, okay, a, a small independent publisher. Um, I wanted to go the traditional way, so what I did after I finished the book was um, I wrote to Janet Ivanovich, who is one of my favorite authors. I never expected her to actually re- reply to me, but she did, you know, in a matter of hours. Okay. And I asked her what I should do now that I wrote a book. Um, and uh, she told me that uh, I should get an agent, which I didn't try to do. And it's for the best because no uh, no respectable agent would have accepted that book. So uh, I, I started to pitch it to some publishers and one of, uh, of, the, of them accepted it. They offered me a contract for it. It was a small American publisher. Yeah, It wasn't a big uh, traditional publisher or anything like that. But um, like I said, it was what I needed to uh, steer me toward this path. Um, and after that, I started writing more books. Uh, I moved on to a, a slightly bigger publisher and then a bigger publisher. Um, eventually, I started to uh, publish some books in Romania. Um, I Here, I did have a couple of books published by a major uh, traditional publisher. But I didn't. Uh, I didn't think that was, you know, a, a big deal. It didn't turn out uh, the way I hoped. So then I decided I would go indie all the way. And right now I'm an indie author all the way. Excellent. Now, th- when you were doing all this, you know, pitching and all that, these were all under your romance um, name. Yes, these yes, are all romance yes. books. What kind yes. of romance did you write? Or do you um, write? All, all kinds. So all okay. kinds. At first, I, I started uh, writing uh, romance, a dabble into paranormal. Uh, this is the thing, you know, when you start writing, this is the, uh, when I get asked what advice I would give to anyone who starts writing is start uh, learn how to write before you start writing. So <laughs> learn about genres, learn about story structure, learn all these things about craft and tropes and stuff like that because when i started learning i had no idea what the hell i was doing (laughs) i had read you know thousands of books but that did not make me a writer okay so i i wasted you know the first and wasted that's a kind of a negative word but um i spent a lot of uh of years um trying to figure out what i was doing Instead of just learning from the start, look, this is the, you know, contemporary romance. This is the genre. These are the tropes. This is kind of how it's uh, supposed to go and stuff like that. So um, after the first three books, which are unpublishable, (laughs) although I did publish them at some point, um, I could say I uh, went into romantic comedy. 
And, okay. But I also have uh, three, I think, three suspense romance novels, mm. which are happen to be actually my best work, uh, except like I said, I didn't really promote them a lot because I, I was a newbie and I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. So um, right now I would say I'm a writer of contemporary romance. Okay. Gotcha. Now, yeah, I love that, you know, you went the indie route. I, I'm a big believer in that. I wouldn't say no to the right contract, you know, from like a traditionally yeah. you know, traditional publishing house. But it would, the stars would have to align. It would have to be like exactly what I wanted. But I love being an indie because I love working for myself. Yes, you yes, know. it's uh, it's very nice, and especially you know if you're, if you're a control freak uh, like <laughs> I am, for instance, <laughs> you want to have control over over your uh, books and over your stuff. And that's there's also you know the matter of uh, promotion and advertising, right? Um, yeah, uh, traditional publishers uh, don't really do much. No, they don't. Uh, so yes. Yeah. So the authors still have to uh, advertise their own books. So then why would I give a chunk to Correct. a traditional publisher only to, you know, to do my own advertising? Like, I, like you said, you know, I would say yes to the right contract. But thankfully, indie authors have uh, a lot to choose from these days and have a lot do. more say which yeah. is it's fantastic absolutely so you also write in like crime fiction let's talk about your irish garda squad books why the irish police force why not like romanian police or british bobbies or something like that well i didn't think you know that many people would be interested in uh, reading about romanian police <laughs> okay. uh, like i said uh, from the from the first you know i was my target audience was uh, English speaking people. So I, I wanted to reach as many readers as possible. Um, now, I didn't know anything about British mysteries, but that has been, you know, written and rewritten and stuff like that. And sure. at that time, I was obsessed with writing something original. I hadn't real, realized that there is no such thing as writing something original. You can <laughs> <laughs> At best, write, you know, something, put a new twist on something. And even that is uh, kind of not impossible, but really hard in a market where, you know, there are six million books published on Kindle every day, I think. I don't know yeah. what the stats it, are, but it's a crazy number. Yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to write something original. So I figured that uh, I didn't know at the time that, you know, that there were already several authors writing about the Irish Garda. So I thought, you know, I discovered America or Ireland or whatever. So uh, I figured I would write something that has an American and Irish uh, cast, something like an, an interesting mix. Yeah. Which I really think it was, uh, it worked out nicely. They're still my, my best books. One of them actually won a Rhone Award. And uh, I really like how they, they turned out. Um, this was kind of my, my major motivation, to write something that hadn't been written, to, to write something engaging. Yeah. Um, readers complained, some, some readers complained that I, I still I put too much romance because, you know, it was a transition. Well, yeah. Romance author. Cops yeah, couldn't have author. romance, too. I mean, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> 
Yeah, I don't know. I think that not having any kind of romance is unrealistic. You know, if you want books to imitate life, then that's impossible. I mean, you'd have to live alone in the top of the mountain (laughs) to not have any kind of romance. (laughs) Seriously. You are correct. You are (laughs) correct about that. Yeah. Yeah, research. What kind of research did you do? Did you go over to Ireland? Do you know any um, Gardas? Uh, No, I didn't go to Ireland. I actually wrote to Angarda Shohana, the uh, Irish police force, with some questions, and they were pretty helpful. Um, I wrote, uh, I, um, sorry, I uh, uh, did some research, you know, on the internet as much as I could. Sure. And uh, I, I think a couple of years ago, yes, it's been a couple of years ago. I took uh, Adam Richardson uh, uh, class detective for uh, writers. Yes, that yes. was a, a game changer. Okay. So that, uh, yeah, that kind of uh, changed my whole perspective. That was the best research that I I did for my uh, crime fiction novels. Mm. Okay. Yeah, Adam's so, uh, a yeah, good, I, Adam's a good friend of mine. So yeah, that yeah. that makes me very happy. Yeah, he's a great guy. I totally recommend his uh courses and on the show i've had maria o'halloran on a few times and she's yes, an irish I, guy i know i know about her maria i'm talking about you so. <laughs> hi marie <laughs> hi marie so you know i know marie would be more than open to your questions you know if you have any questions about the irish police force her uh her author career has taken off like crazy so i'm i'm super happy to see that she's just such a nice person that is awesome. You know, I have her books on my TBR list, but I haven't, uh, I haven't read them yet. Gotcha. But uh, I, I'm looking forward to to reading them. Yeah, I I think that's really neat. So, when you first started writing your Irish Garda series, did you have the intention of writing it as a series, or did you write the first book and you're like, hey, I think this could be a series? You know, was it intentional, like when you first started, or was that your plan or did it just kind of happen? Yes, that was my plan. Uh, okay. After uh, seven years of fumbling, I did, uh, you know, understand that series are the way to go. So this time I, uh, you know, I started uh, writing them from the first as a series. Mm. Uh, but I also wanted, you know, I wanted them to be able to be read as standalones. So each novel can be read as uh, a standalone. Okay. Um, kind of, you know, each each novel have, has a, like I said, a cast a detective or several detectives from the Irish Garda, and there's a mystery, but uh, they have no connection to the other books except, you know, for cameos of c- certain characters. Oh, okay. But yes, I I wanted to uh, I wanted them to be a series or. Like a, a collection uh, in the same universe. Okay, gotcha. That makes sense. That makes a ton of sense. Yeah. Um. Now, how many languages do you speak? Two. Uh, Two? Romanian, English, and maybe a bit of Spanish, but not fluent. Okay. Now, for your books, do you do all of your books in Romanian and English? No, no. I write in English only. Uh, just my first book, I wrote it in Romanian. Okay. And uh, after that, I started writing uh, in English. Oh. I find it a lot easier now. I don't write okay. in Romanian anymore. Okay. 
Now, people who are bilingual, I always ask this question is when you dream, what language do you dream in? Mostly English. Really? Okay. Now yeah. you're raised obviously in Romania. You're very fluent in Romanian, but wow, that I find that interesting. And you know, I've had more than one person say that to me. So I always find that very fascinating. I think because, you know, um, I, I obviously I spend a lot of time speaking in English. Half of the time I speak in English with my husband because he also, uh, you know, he works for a multinational company and he ah. speaks in English at work. So mm. we find ourselves, you know, speaking in English <laughs> at home too most of the time or half of the time. Right. And I, uh, I love, you know, both languages. Um, yeah. I, and I find English very melodious. I just, you know, it resonates mm. with me. Okay. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your Irish Garda book series? What's it about? Uh, well, it's a, like I said, it's a collection of uh, standalone uh, police procedurals uh, slash mysteries uh, that take place in Dublin, in Ireland. Mm. Uh, they feature a mixed cast of American and Irish characters. Uh, they are they all uh, are detectives from uh, Angarda Shahana, the Irish uh, police force, and each book uh, focuses on a, a case the police has to solve. And there's also a sideline romantic story. They're they're also kind of romantic uh, thrillers. They have been called by readers. Um, I have three um novels in the series and a novella and uh at this time i don't think i'm going to write more books in this series okay all right very cool so let's talk about your romance pen name melinda de ross why why write the romance and do you write in a series for romance just like you do in the police procedural stuff I do now. Again, um, it took me some time to figure out that series are, uh, you know, the most uh, successful um, and the the readers love series. So, um, like I said, I fumbled a lot in, with, with my romance pen name. But what I do have published right now um, are my best, uh, my best books. They're all standalones. And uh, I'm working at a new series right now. Book one is finished and uh, I'm working on uh, the draft of book two. This okay. uh, this this time will be a series of at least five, five books. Now, is this going to be romance? Uh, the one that you just finished? Yes. Yes. Okay. Romance. Gotcha. Yes, uh, it's going to be romantic comedy. That's oh, okay. uh, I figure that this is yeah, this is my uh, this is my jam. Okay, my cool. Then they, yeah, I'm okay. I'm going to write uh, detective mysteries, uh, you know, with the dark, the nitty gritty, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And when I'm tired and I need a break, I'm going to write a romantic comedy. Okay, cool. So you won the USA Today bestseller title under the uh, romance pen name, correct? Melinda mm, Duras. Yes. Tell yes. us about that. How did that happen? Because there's so many authors out there that'd be like, oh, it'd be so cool to be a New York Times bestseller, you know, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, you know, all that. How did that come to fruition? How did that happen? Oh man, that was a crazy story. Uh and so um in 2018, um 
I got it, you know, I got this crazy dream in my head that I wanted to be the first Romanian author to achieve this title, USA Today okay. Selling Author. So um, I uh, wanted to, you know, I started, uh, you know, uh, doing some research on how to go about this. And at the time, you had to sell at least 10 to 15,000 copies in the um, uh, release week to even hope to be on that uh, bestseller list. Yes. So um, I realized that, you know, at that time, I could not do it on my own. And um, a friend of mine who is who is now my publisher, she told me about this group of uh, great authors. Uh, and uh, she said, you know what, they're uh, they're preparing a box set and maybe you should uh, write to them and uh, see if uh, they're willing to uh, take another story. Yeah. So I wrote I wrote to them. I wrote to Minnie Barber from the Authors Billboard and uh, told her about my uh, my ambition. And she was so nice about it. She said, "You know what? We have everything ready, but if you can write a story in a month, we're going to get you into the box set and you're you're welcome to join our group." Oh, wow. So, okay. uh, yeah, I wrote that story in a month. I worked like crazy. Oh, uh, yeah. It was, yeah, it was a crazy time. <laughs> and uh, um, that was in uh, in 2018, in summer, summer toward autumn, something like that. And we promoted it very intensely. And in October, uh, we made the USA Today bestseller, uh, bestsellers list. Oh, how, the, many uh, how many words was the story that you wrote in one month? I think about. 30,000 words okay. uh, something like that it wasn't it wasn't very big yeah but anyway it was uh, it was quite a quite a, an undertake um yeah. the funny thing was that you know in Romania we have uh, a different version of the uh, USA Today uh, site website and i couldn't see uh, the um uh, section with the bestsellers. I didn't oh, have no. access to it. No, we have a different version in Europe, uh, <laughs> at least in Romania, a different yeah. version of the website. So I could not see oh. the list, the page with the list. <laughs> and one of uh, one of the authors, one of my friends, uh, emailed me at some point and said, "You know what? You made USA Today bestseller." And then she <laughs> said, uh, "I was just, you know, getting excited and screaming and all that." And then she emails me again and said, "Oh my God, no! Wait, that's not you. That's not us. Wait, it's not. Oh, I was wrong. It's another book." <laughs> and then, you know, I just, I just dropped it. And then yeah. again, another author, one of the, the authors in the group, messaged me with the, and sent me a screenshot and said, "You're a USA Today bestselling author." Okay. And that time was for real. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. Yeah, How awesome was. is that? That's great. So it was, yeah. <laughs> so I think you told us how you split your time between being a crime writer and a romance writer. How do you market the two genres? I mean, those are two different genres. You know, what works best, do you think, for marketing both of those? Um, so I've been a bit out of the game for the past uh, year, almost two years. Yeah. Um, and I kind of, don't do that much marketing right now because I don't have any books, any new books out. Um, but well, you will. Uh, <laughs> you I will. will. Yes, I yes. will. Uh, so what I plan to do in my, you know, in my experience, Amazon ads, they are, um, you know, the kind of the, the best thing that works for advertising. Mm. Um, I plan to dabble in Facebook ads too. 
maybe take a, a couple of uh, classes to uh, refresh uh, my uh, my knowledge but yes it's it's really hard and uh, probably this is why kind of you know I put off advertising until I have <laughs> okay. several books out after gotcha. that I'm going to yeah okay that sounds to, good uh, market put put on my marketing hat okay so you know at the beginning of the show we said you know it would be cool to get a movie deal you know for one of your books if you did is there a specific actor or actress you'd like to be playing some of these parts if you asked me that you know 10 years ago i would have said gerard butler <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> right now he's he's you know he's not of the age um that uh, my characters are okay i i normally you know i was i i used to when i wrote romance uh i used to imagine certain actors in my head but for the irish guard i have no idea okay. all i know is you know that they would have to uh, have a great irish accent other than that to be perfectly honest uh, i would be um happy with whatever the um producers decided i would be very easy to work with yeah so, just, don't, um, just don't get tom cruise then because he probably has <laughs> one of the worst irish accents i've ever heard i think it was oh i forget there was a movie with him and nicole kidman it was a long time ago and oh, yes i know it uh yeah. far and away yeah far and, far and away, away. So, yep yep yeah. oh my yeah, god those irish accents were so hideous i, <laughs> I made my skin crawl i'm like oh irish people don't talk like that oh my lord this is terrible <laughs> Who said this yeah. is a good idea? You know, like wow, just terrible. Yeah, because you know how how an oh yeah, <laughs> I sure do. <laughs> but you know, uh, I didn't, and I couldn't enjoy the movie. So, but now that you, you now that you pointed it out, I'm going to watch it and you know <laughs> nitpick at the accent. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So you got on my radar from your thread of twenty books regarding uh, not writing. You know, it was your the end. You know, you had a pomegranate juice, and uh, that was your drink of choice with your uh, the end. You got just got done writing a book, and you you weren't writing for a while because of a tragic loss, and then you you got back into writing and finished that book. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, yes. So um, in uh, November 2021, my dad was uh, diagnosed with lung cancer. Mm. And uh, uh, six months later, he passed away. So um, even before that, before November, it, it was exactly two years ago, I was struggling a bit with um, writer's block. I was trying to, so I had just transitioned from romance to uh, writing crime uh, fiction. And I wasn't um, feeling that I was doing such a great job. I was still not uh, sure of the authenticity of uh, what I was doing. And I was kind of in a bit of a jam. And my father's diagnosis uh, just put a stop to my writing altogether. Sure. Um, obviously, you know, we we didn't know that um, he was going to die in six months. Uh, his prognosis was bad from the first, but uh, we kept hoping because, you know, that's what yeah. you do. And uh, those six months, I didn't write at all, um, of course. And after that, 
uh, another six months, I was also kind of unable to write. Um, what kind of breathed life into me again was uh, going to uh, an author conference that was 20 Books Madrid. That was uh, oh, sure in June 2022. Yeah. So that was the first time when I um, felt, you know, a bit motivated to write again. But from from that point on, um, it was still, you know, a long way until I actually did it. But uh, that was, you know, that was the first uh, the first step that uh, determined me to not give up uh, on writing and, uh, you know, continue, keep keep trying to get back. Sure. Well, thank you for sharing with that. I know that's not easy, but, you know, it's hard to get back on the horse again when something like that happens. But I think it's important that you do and you finish and you're going forward. So, you know, my hat's off to you. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a process, you know. Uh, I mean, it's grief. It's different for everybody. Sure. Um, For me, uh, I don't know. I've seen people who got over a loss easier. Others never get over it. For me, the loss of my father was the the biggest tragedy in my life uh, yes. so far, the, the biggest trauma. Right. And, um, you know, getting back and grieving and mourning, this is come this comes in waves. So you need to uh, be kind to yourself. What I, I, I did the most in those first months, that first year was, you know, I beat myself up a lot for not being able to write. Sure. So I felt guilty. Um, I felt pressure. I, I knew that I was uh, letting readers down by not writing more books. And um, um, I was just, you know, in a very dark place. And I remember at one point I had to write a newsletter and I, I had no idea what the hell to write because I had sure. nothing, no news. I wasn't yeah. working on anything new. So I just uh, explained to readers. I just laid it all out. I explained to to my readers what happened. Yeah. I talked about my my dad. I I don't usually do this because you know, um, being open or oversharing uh, makes you vulnerable to all sorts of, uh, yes. of criticism and stuff. And but I don't know. I I wasn't even sure when I wrote that newsletter. I wasn't sure that I was going to send it, but I did send it, and I also published it on my blog. And um, I was shocked to uh, receive so many emails and messages from readers, um, supportive messages, uh, messages where they were telling me to take my time, that they were going to wait for me. Uh Um, Messages from readers who shared their own uh, experiences Mm. uh, and tragic loss and stuff like that. And that was um, life changing. I mean, you know, this moment where strangers all over the world reach out to you and uh, they support you and they tell you, you know what, we're here for you. you, you it hits you, you know. Right. It just uh, that was the moment when when it hit me. You know what? There are people there out there who actually read my stuff. Yeah, and they kind of care about me. Yeah. So that was the, the, the moment, you know, that everything shifted. And I, I said, you know what? I'm going to to get back for them first of all i have a purpose and uh it i started you know going uphill from there okay now what advice would you give to someone 
who went through something similar to you, you know, something tragic, you know, a loss. And, you know, how do you get back to writing again? You just said that, you know, you know, communicating with your readers, you know, there's a lot of kind people out there. You know, I think people forget that for the most part, people are good. They're good natured. You know, most people are. And they kind of rally behind you when something bad happens and they want they want to see you do well and they want to see you happy. So that's uh, that's true. What advice would you give to someone who's going through something that you went through? I would say first thing, be kind to yourself. Don't sure. beat yourself up because you cannot do this, you cannot do that. Um you need to um, set your own rhythm into getting back. You need to accept that there's going to be there are going to be good days and bad days, and you need to uh, take your time, take advantage of the good days, um, let the bad days just come, let them come, let them go, and uh, don't be afraid to open up to your you know loved ones or even readers if you have them because like you said patrick uh, there are so many kind and good people out there you you don't know sometimes you know you feel that you're alone in your tragedy but when you share and people reach out to you you realize that you are part of something much bigger than yourself so take advantage of that absolutely okay well let's start wrapping this up it's been about an hour uh what's next for you where where are we going melinda um well i'm I'm just uh, focusing on my two new series one uh, under my romance band name melinda de ross and the other one um under uh, melinda colt that's going to be um series of uh crime fiction detective fiction set in san francisco uh, oh, so i'm moving from you are moving yeah States. look at you yeah. okay you're you're venturing west. <laughs> yes. um, and that's uh, right now, that's my, my focus. Um, I want to focus more on reaching more readers. That means uh, learning the dreaded advertising. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I want to, you know, to branch out into audiobooks, into translations. Um, and kind of, I think uh, this is uh, this is what's next for me next year, at least. Excellent. Very good. All right. And also, let's not forget about your graphic art, your graphic design studio. <laughs> yes. You're, well, you're... that's, you know, kind of my day job. So uh, right. that stays. Let's and not forget. About, for now. Let's not forget about that because you are talented. Like I said before, I love your, your covers, your website. You can tell I mean, yeah, I, they're spot on. So that's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So. If people want to find out more about you and your books, where do they go? Well, if they want to learn about my romance books, go to melindadeross.com. Um, and if you want to learn more about my mystery and thriller series, go to melindacult.com. Or I would recommend both. Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for this conversation. This has been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for inviting me. This really was great. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Thank you, all the way from Romania, Melinda Colt. Thank you, Melinda, for sharing your enjoyable and inspirational story with us. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Cops and Writers podcast. If you haven't done so yet, could you take a minute and rate and review the show on Spotify or Apple Podcasts? 
If you have already, thank you. As always, thank you for all of your support. And, of course, let's be careful out there. Thank you.